Does the current political banter sound like an old record to you? This is the True Disciples Podcast, where everything you know about Reformation is about to get a radical makeover in the power of the Holy Spirit. Your True Disciples host is Dr. Kevin Baird, Senior Pastor of Legacy Church in Charleston, South Carolina. And now, the True Disciples Podcast. Welcome back to the True Disciples Podcast for episode 13 of the Reformation Archive. We continue with our current sermon series titled House Hunter that Dr. Kevin Baird is bringing to Legacy Church as it is a message the entire American church needs to hear. So let us begin with part two of What is a Church? God has always commanded his people to gather. If you don't want to gather, there, then you automatically put into suspicion the nature of your heart. I don't know any other way to say it. I'm just going to go for it. The heart that's been born again, that's been transferred, there's something in it that wants to gather. If for no other reason than to obey God. Gathering is a part of the demonstration of who we are as the people of God. In other words, I want to gather. I want to be in a place where God's people are gathering. And so the disciples would have understood that ecclesia is a gathering. It's a gathering of those who are called out. In the book of Acts... It's interesting to me, as you'll begin to read the book of Acts, one of the early features after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts was that the disciples would begin to gather. People would begin to gather. Did they not? They gathered in an upper room. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They're beginning to gather with all these thousands of people. Here's what's interesting. They weren't just gathering under Solomon's portico as the church, but they were still gathering at the temple in the early days. They were gathering all the time. And then what did they do? They met from house to house. They gather. And there were things they did in this gathering that was taking place. But you go all through the book of Acts. They were gathering all the time. Only in America. We don't have to gather. Now all I have to do is turn on my computer and I can watch the best preachers in America, just me and them. I'm not even gathering anymore. See, there's something beyond just hearing inspiring preaching. Whether you think I'm inspiring or not, it doesn't even matter. I may not be. Maybe the gas is out of my tank, and it's just not like it used to be. Although my wife said something about gas in me last night. I just, but I just, I'll leave that alone. You look like you needed to laugh for just a moment. He went there. Yes, he did. But hear me when I say this. I'm just telling you that, that there's something there is, there's something about gathering that's beyond. I just get to be a part of this movement. I mean, it's, I'm not, there's... It's, it's so individualized. We don't get that when I'm coming, it's not for me. I'm coming because I have a portion of the gathering. See, we think we come because it's about me. Yeah, I'll be there, but it's got to be about me. You know, sometimes you're here because someone just needed to see your smile and hear your voice. And, and someone say to them, I love you. And I hadn't seen you for a while. Sure, good to see you again. Sometimes that's what you need. And sometimes that's what you need to give. And if you're not here, it can't be given. Because you think it's all about you. Well, I'll be at church today. We'll see if pastor brings it today. If he doesn't bring it, he probably won't see me in another month. Well, you know, that's not what this is about. Gathering. The sacredness. Pastor Brad began to talk about the sacredness of some things. We have lost the sacredness of gathering. It's not sacred anymore. It's what, just what we do. It's a box I check off. The gathering. 
God, make it sacred to me again, the gathering. Now, there were things about the ecclesia that we can derive because of its use in the civic arena. And so there are eight things, and, and the first one's going to be just, it's, it's a little longer, and then the next seven, I'm going to go real fast, okay? So don't, don't freak out that I'm getting close to noon. There are eight important ecclesia concepts. The first one is this. The church is an elected, called-out group. Now, election is a biblical term, unfortunately, that carries a lot of baggage. It means, in its most general usage, those who are saved or those who are called by God to himself. Now, no matter what you think about predestination and sovereignty and election, the fact of the matter is election is in the Bible, and election, however we want to define it, means those who have been uh, called out or those who have been brought to God for his purposes. So it doesn't matter what you believe about sovereignty, I can tell you that, that election, that's what election means. So in the civil arena, ecclesia meant that there was a gathering of these duly appointed people, and these duly appointed people would come to address the issues of their jurisdiction. Now that's a fancy way of saying this. Ecclesia was like the town council, or the city council, or the ecclesia was like the state legislature. Or, or like the Senate in Washington, D.C. It was a gathering of those. Now, when I use the term elected now, we would think in terms of, well, we voted for them. But, but the vote only indicated how they were appointed. You know, in, in other times and other ways, they were appointed to that position, so to speak, by other means than people voting in a democratic fashion. It was simply a gathering of those who were called forth or called out. They were elected in the sense that somehow they were appointed or pointed to be there. They were brought out in order to address the affairs of their jurisdiction. The church, just out of that aspect, the first aspect of eight, is this. You and I have been called out called forth, appointed, elected, drawn, however you want to put it. God has called out his church in order that together we might address the issues of our jurisdiction. Some of that most specifically is the city. But this whole globe, the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains. And that's why there's a global church. Because we're here to to begin to address issues, and we'll talk about how, and that's with kingdom power. But hear me when I say this, not everybody is a part of the church. This is the part that, that's going to rock you now. Not everybody is a part of the church. We think of church as something we come to and attend, like a worship service. It is a part of that. But not everybody who attends necessarily belongs to the church. You're only belonging unless you're duly appointed. And this is where we begin to compartmentalize some things. You see, we understand that not everybody's on the city council. Not everybody is in the legislature. Not everybody, but just those that were appointed. But we create, see, this is another form of, and I'm using big words, but we have, we have created 
an egalitarianism, which means we've made everybody equal in the sense of that we are creating a church that fixes our 21st century inability to reach people. We don't want to reach people personally anymore. We want, we want our church program to reach people. And so we want to create something inside the organization that begins to draw in the world until finally I hear this being taught uh, out there by all sorts of people. This is widely taught and disseminated. It says this about church, and I'm reading here. People need to belong, then they'll believe, and then they'll behave. I've heard that more times than I can count. Belong, believe, behave. In other words, we want to get them in the church, and while they're in the church, somehow or another we're going to believe that they're going to believe, and then, of course, the fruits of that belief will begin to be lived out. Come on, just follow me. In other words, unsaved people. We want to bring unsaved people to church. Why? Because we don't have any intention of winning them out there. None. Zero. Zip. That's why you bring them to church. It's our culture. We're still living in a culture that says, yeah, if I can get them there. And listen, we want everybody, you can bring all your friends to church, but hear me, church in its right definition is not for them. Because what we do is when we create it, in fact, I heard a pastor teach this one time. He said, I no longer want a church for the saints. I want a church for the sinner. I want a church for the lost. I want a church for the seeking. Well, that sounds real good, doesn't it? It sounds real outreachy and evangelistic. And, and it's hard to throw any kind of rock or stone at it. But hear me what I'm saying. What we do is, is then in the church, we begin to diminish or reduce what it is that we're wanting to do because we don't want to alienate them. We don't want to drive them off. We don't want to confuse them. So we quit using biblical terms like atonement and covenant and sanctification because they don't know anything about that and we don't want to run them off. So we're going to just move their emotions. We're just going to inspire them. We're just going to make them excited. Hey, let's let it be a stand-up comedy hour so we can kind of do our shtick because they're going to really want to belong if they got this and we have lost the truth that this gathering isn't about them it's about him and when we reach out to him it draws them we think we're helping God we know you need help God if you just if you just let leave it to us we can handle your public relations because you've been getting a bad rap. Everybody thinks, you know, you're just, you're just this holy, overly expecting God who has expectations on us. And we just think, if you'll leave it to us, we can make this work. We don't want people to know that they really have to change the way they live. We'll just kind of get them to you like they are. And, and again, I'm not saying we clean them up in order to get I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, is that we have morphed church into something it was never meant to be. We think church now is for the world. We're, we're more concerned with how the world sees us rather than how God sees us. We think it's for the world. That's why we say things like, don't go to church, be the church. What are you talking about? It's not Bible because the Lord says the church gathers, so you're going to be going somewhere. We cannot confuse what our mission is with the gathering. Our gathering is not the mission. Our gathering is what we do to worship our God, to hear from God, and to be able to go out of this place and do the mission. 
And this is the part of the church's problem. We think the mission is getting people to church. The mission isn't just getting people to church, although they do need to gather, but they'll never want to gather if they're not born again, not for long, or you're going to have to keep doing, come see what I danced today. Isn't that funny? I had a new joke today. Let me tell you this new joke. And they all walk out and go, wasn't that pastor funny? When they should have been saying, wasn't God in that place? That's just point one that you derive out of ecclesia. We love people. If you have a friend that doesn't know Jesus, can I bring him to church? Well, sure, bring him to church. But I'm not here. I've had people through the years come up to me and say, hey, pastor, be sure you do an altar call today because I brought somebody with me and they need Jesus. So do an altar call today. It's not for them. I know this, is, this, this will rock people's world. I know of one sweet lady that I did an invitation, and this has been within the last year or so. I did an invitation because I felt led to do an invitation, which, by the way, altar calls weren't even established until about maybe the mid-19th century, which meant there were like 1,800-plus years of no altar call. And the church did quite well. But I did an invitation, and then an outward, I was visiting with people. She came up to me. I was so glad you did an invitation today because I thought you were going backwards. No, it's just not for them. We're not doing our gathering for them. This is for him. God called us to gather for him. I, it's rocking our world because we've been told we've got to reach the world, we've got to reach the world. Yes, we've got to reach the world, but reaching the world isn't bringing them to church. Reaching the world is receiving from God something that makes you go from this place to do what the apostles did when they said, we could not help but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Would you like to receive Jesus? And they say yes, and that you in simplicity, you don't have to be a pastor to do this. Lead them to the Lord. And when they are led to the Lord, you can look at them and say, now as a Christian, you'll want to gather. You'll need to find a place to gather. I know a good gathering place. But if you don't choose this gathering place, you still got to find a gathering place. The church. Are you hearing me? That's our problem. Our problem is in pastoring, you aren't creating enough evangelism programs. Listen, if I create another evangelism program, my wife and I and three of you will come to it. Can we just admit that isn't that working? It isn't my job. My job, my job isn't to go make a church grow. My job isn't even to go win the lost as a pastor. I do that as a believer. That's the part of the church we got to get back into order. It's that you're on assignment. Your assignment isn't just to get to church. Your assignment is to be a church in order to worship God, receive from God, and then go do the mission because your life is not your own. But not in America. My life is not only my own, but it better, it better be all about me. I told you, man, I was going to drop the bomb on this, and we're only... Okay, I got to move. Now I do have to move quickly. Number two is this. I'm going to move quickly. Ecclesia meant that there was an identifiable or locatable gathering. In other words, you, you could see the church gathered. There's a confusion that we'll get to that exists between the universal church and the local church. I'm going to say this over and over again. Yes, there is a universal church of which all believers are a part of. 
But the universal church is only demonstrated in your life by you participating in a local church because every spiritual concept incarnates itself. God showed us that by incarnating himself. God is spirit, right? But yet God incarnated himself in flesh in the form of Jesus in order to demonstrate spiritual reality by enfleshing it before our very eyes. It's the same with the church. Every, every spiritual principle, healing, we're all going to be healed in heaven, praise God. But isn't it good to know that that can manifest in reality here and now? Isn't it cool that yes, there's a universal church, but that universal church is only demonstrated when you and I are connected to a local gathering. Otherwise, it's all theory. You're a Christian on paper, not in reality. It incarnates itself. So when I participate in a local church, I'm demonstrating that I'm a part of the universal church because that's the only way anybody's gonna see the universal church is people through the local church. That's the only way it's gonna happen. You sitting in front of your computer, television set, or walking through nature, or your day at the lake. I'm not saying God's not there, God's everywhere. And could you commune with the Lord? Yes, but do not tell yourself that's church. Oh, that one's gonna be a good one I'm gonna come back to. <laughs> Number three, there, there were regular gathering times. In other words, the ecclesia, the civic ecclesia, had regular times of gathering. So does the local church. Just as a legislator, legislature has convening times, the church has convening times. We convene the first day of every week at a minimum. It's not sporadic, it's not haphazard, it's consistent. That's what the Lord says. We convene. Number four, our adherence to a mission. I'm moving quickly. We represent, we demonstrate, and we mobilize for the cause of the kingdom. We come as the church to worship God, to hear from him, and then we adhere to a mission that we go mobilize in order to accomplish that. The mobilization is what? Bringing the kingdom, declaring the kingdom, demonstrating the kingdom. And it doesn't have to be, everybody doesn't have to be Benny Hinn and throw your coat at somebody. I mean, you can go to work and someone says, man, I've, I've got pains, I've got hurts. And you can look at someone and, and just say, hey, I can put you on my prayer list if you want. And I'll pray for you. And I'll, I'll believe that this will be, be addressed. And, and you can do things that aren't utterly, you know, spooky or crazy and, and still be used by God to demonstrate the kingdom. I'm glad for dramatic, crazy things. I mean, I want to see God do some crazy stuff. That's great when that happens. But that doesn't mean we have to do that out there. You can just, you can just be an on-target, sensitized Christian to needs around you, and you'd be amazed how often you'd get to pray with people. I mean, my wife goes to her job, and I mean, she's like on kingdom assignment. I'm really proud of her that she's doing this. I mean, I mean and it's made a difference in people's lives. Number five is we have an authority to act. Does not the town council have an authority to act? We do too. How do we act? Well, in a number of ways. We act through the preaching. We act through teaching. We act through the ministry. We act or have authority to act through ordinances. We're going to get back to this in the book of Acts as we begin to see all those first acts of the apostles or acts of the Holy Spirit. There was an authority to act. Number six, there was structure. I want to say this quickly. Institution is not a bad word. How many of you know there's an institution of marriage and God's for it? 
Now, now God's not for our organization overshadowing his Holy Spirit. And God's not, though, at the same time, for anarchy. That was Corinth. Jesus organized his 12. He sent them out two by two. There was some organization to that. He had three that were a little bit closer to him. When they had the feeding of the 5,000, he told the disciples to set him up into specific groups. There was some organization to this. We know he had a treasure. There was organization in the book of Acts, was there not? We know that there were pastors and elders and deacons that were selected, so there was some organization. So organization isn't bad. There's some organization to church. There's nothing wrong with organization. It's when the organization gets in the way with what God may be wanting to do. There's structure to it. Everybody doesn't go to Columbia to the state house and everybody shouts at the same time wanting to get their agenda done. That's why Paul looked at Corinth and said, you may all prophesy or you may all speak in tongues, two or three, and then let them interpret and then you may all prophesy one by one. Are you, that's called structure. So there is structure within the life of the church in the ecclesia. Number seven is protocol. I'm hurrying now. Seven, protocol or what I call honor. Honor has more to do with the declaration of affection or worship. You know, when you go, you should. It used to be, you, you do this in classrooms across America. You do this at county council meetings and the opening of civic ceremonies. Remember what we'd all do? We'd all stand, face the flag, put our hand over our heart and begin to say the declaration, uh, I'm sorry, the Pledge of Allegiance. And then we might sing uh, America the Beautiful or My Country Tis of Thee or something. And we do that. There was a protocol, an honor that took place. There's an honor in the church. There's an honor to the Lord. There's an honor to what we do. There's the flippancy went away. This was an honor. What we do when we gather is we put our hands to our heart and we're pledging allegiance to the only one that really deserves our full allegiance. We pledge our allegiance. I love my country, but my allegiance ultimately is to you. And then finally, Number eight, there's this commonly held policy or what we call commonly held belief. And of course, in a civic arena, we might look to a constitution or something like that. But in the church, the gathering, what did they do? What was the first thing they did when they gathered in the book of Acts? They sat down, they had a meal, they fellowshiped, they received communion, and then they were taught the apostles' doctrine. They began to be taught what would be their commonly held beliefs. Now, we know in the scripture there are a lot of things we can differ on, and, and some of that's okay. For instance, we may have different views of the second coming. Now, we all should believe, and I believe it's an essential, that we believe Jesus is coming again. That's an essential. But how that looks or the schematic, well, we may differ on a little bit here and there. That's a non-essential. But there are some essentials that are rock bottom solid. You cannot let these go. And these are our commonly held beliefs. We believe Jesus was fully God and fully man. And we can't let that one go. We cannot let it go that this book is my authority. It is inerrant. It speaks the heart and the mind of God. And anyone that undermines it, that's, it's gone. It's, this is my authority. That is an essential. Otherwise, it's just it's haphazard. It's anything goes. It's whatever we believe this week, whatever I feel. It's an essential. It's an essential that man is born lost. It's an essential that you must be born again. It's an essential. These things, now there aren't 5,000 essentials. 
But I can guarantee you there's probably somewhere between seven and 12 essentials. And you can go to some church websites and they don't have any essentials anymore. There is no essential. We'll just, you just come belong. We'll figure that out later. Well, what are you belonging to? I mean, I mean, it's just, I'm fine. I finally went tilt. And I just decided everyone else can go tilt. I'm getting myself back right. What is a church? That's the beginning. I'm just starting. We haven't even talked about, we're going to get into the book of Acts and we're going to get into culture and preference and continuity because you have a church in Jerusalem, you have a church at Antioch, and they were both really looked different. They looked different, but their essentials were the same. They were still a church by definition, even though they looked a little different. How many of you know we don't look like Presbyterians? Do we? No. But some, I know some really good Presbyterians, really solid people. We don't, we don't look exactly like what they do. So maybe what they do, is that what we should do? I'm, we'll get there. We, we, we aren't going to look, we aren't going to look like a, well, you know, we have some really good warm-hearted Episcopalians in our area. Anglican, sorry, they've changed their name to Anglican now. But I don't do the Anglican thing. I don't have the miter and the robe and, and we don't close off the table. I mean, there's some things we do differently. Does that mean they aren't a church? Or maybe we aren't a church. Does that No, 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 no. No, church, church has some elbow room. There's some elbow room here. But the essentials between my Anglican brother and me on paper, doctrinally, there may not be one scintilla of difference. It's essential. But culture and other things may play into it. And that's what we're going to talk about because right now most of us choose church on the basis of culture and not essential. As long as they got hot songs going on, the band sounds good, and the preacher's young, and he's been to the gym. <sighs> Boy, that's a good church. Listen, hear me. I'm just telling you what it is. As long as they've got injection plastic equipment, nothing wrong. And hey, listen, I'm glad the preacher's going to the gym. He'll probably live longer than I will. So I'm, I, I'm, not, against, I'm not against you not wearing a tie. It doesn't bother me. I just, I just decided I, I had too many suits in my closet to not wear them anymore. So I just started wearing them. I don't care if you wear a tie or you don't wear a tie. I, did, I do want you to wear clothes. <laughs> hear me. <laughs> when I say this, but that's how most of us gauge things. Was it good worship? Now again, we bring excellence. We, we, there, there's a culture to this. There's going to be a reflection of that culture. I'm, I, I'm starting to get into it, and I can't get into it. But the fact of the matter is, we've got to recapture some of these things. I want to be the church, the glorious church. And I'm glad we're gathering here together. Thank you again for tuning in to the True Disciples podcast. Please be sure to subscribe for future updates and to catch up on past episodes. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and TuneIn. You can also reach out to us with questions or feedback at truedisciplespodcast at gmail.com. And as always, between now and next time, we encourage you to go out and make his name great.